Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhadito Pihyabhaso Yathavastu Dhyasmrita Durgat Bhad Aindriyakam Tadvad Aratvikalpitam. Although one may consider the reflection of the sun from a mirror to be false, it has its factual existence. Accordingly, to prove by speculative knowledge that there is no reality would be extremely difficult. Purport by His Divine Grace. Srila Abhaya Charanaravinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The impersonalists try to prove that the varieties in the vision of the empiric philosopher are false. The impersonal philosophy, <coughs> Vivarata Vad, generally cites the acceptance of a rope to be a snake and as, a, as an example of this fact. According to this example, the varieties within our vision are false, just as a rope seen to be a snake is false. The Vaishnavas say, however, that although the idea that the rope is a snake is false, the snake is not false. One has experience of a snake in reality, and therefore he knows that although the representation of the rope as a snake is false or illusory, there is a snake in reality. Similarly, this world, which is full of varieties, is not false. It is a reflection of the reality in the Vaikuntha world, the spiritual world. The reflection of the sun from a mirror is nothing but light within darkness. Thus, although it is, exact, it is not exactly sunlight, without the sunlight, the reflection would not be possible. Similarly, the varieties of this world would, not, would be impossible unless there were a real prototype in the spiritual world. The Mayavadi philosophers cannot understand this. But a real philosopher must be convinced that light is not possible at all without a background of sunlight. Thus, the jugglery of words used by the Mayavadi philosopher to prove that this material world is false may amaze inexperienced children but a man with full knowledge knows perfectly well that there cannot be any existence without Krishna. Therefore, a Vaishnava insists on the platform of somehow or other accepting Krishna. Tasmad kenap yupayena manakrishne niveshayet. When we raise our unmixed faith to the lotus feet of Krishna, everything is revealed. Krishna also says in the Bhagavad Gita, Maya Shakta Mana Parata Yogam Yunjan Marashraya Asamshayam Samagramam Yata Gyasyasi Tachchinu. Now hear, O son of Prita, how by practicing yoga in full consciousness of me, with mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. Simply by raising one's staunch faith in Krishna and his instructions, one can understand without reality without a doubt. Asangshayam samagram mam. 
one can understand how Krishna's material and spiritual energies are working <clears throat> and how he is present everywhere and although everything is not in him. This philosophy of achintya beda abeda, inconceivable oneness and difference, is the perfect philosophy enunciated by the Vaishnavas. Everything is an emanation from Krishna, but it is not that everything must therefore be worshipped. Speculative knowledge cannot give us reality as it is, but will continue to be nefariously imperfect. So-called scientists try to prove that there is no God and that everything is happening because of the laws of nature. But this is imperfect knowledge because nothing can work unless directed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is explained in Bhagavad Gita by the Lord Himself. Maya dhyakshena prakriti suyate sacharacharam hetu nani nukhonteya jagadvipari bharatate. This material nature is working under my direction, O son of Kunti, and it is producing all moving and unmoving beings. By its rule, this manifestation is created and annihilated again and again. In this regard, Srila Madhvacharya gives this note. Durgatvavad arthatvena parameshwar yenaiva kalpitam the background of everything is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vasudev. Vasudeva Sarabhamiti Samahatma Sadurlava. This can be understood by a Mahatma who is perfect in knowledge. Such a Mahatma is rarely seen. Translation Although one may consider the reflection of the sun from a mirror to be false, it has its factual existence. Accordingly, to prove by speculative knowledge that there is no reality would be extremely difficult. The example that is used often by the impersonal class of philosophers is that this material world is not real. It is illusion. Sripad Shankaracharya taught us Jaga Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. This is the basic principle of the Mayavad philosophy. That Brahman or the spirit soul, the supreme spirit is truth and jagat the universe is mitya it is false it is an illusion uh, therefore anything that is not brahma is not real and because brahma is devoid of any form devoid of any attributes, personality, or characteristics. Therefore, wherever we find personality, form, qualities, or characteristics, that is an illusion. It is not real. 
calm. They consider that everything that has qualities is a manifestation of maya. Indeed, even when the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself appears in this world, his form, his personalities, his qualities are maya. It is only that essence within him, Brahma, that is truth. The other night, we were giving a lecture, and one man after the lecture, an elderly gentleman, he began to explain his belief. He said that, I am Krishna, you are Krishna, we are all Krishna. But now we are encaged in this form, just as Krishna was encaged in a form. But the essence of you, the essence of me, is non-different than the essence of Krishna. In other words, what he is saying is that Krishna's form and Krishna's personality is like your form and your personality. This is the basic principle of Mayavad philosophy. Although Krishna may be a liberated soul, Brahma, they accept that Krishna is not an ordinary man, that Brahma has appeared, the supreme Brahman, in this form to give us knowledge. Ultimately, it is just like a costume which is cast away as soon as his incarnation is finished. In other words, he accepts a form of illusion or maya simply to reach us because our senses are plagued by attachment to the illusions of maya. But of course, there is no logic to this sort of a philosophy. Because if we are Brahma, the Supreme Brahma, then how is it possible that we are under the influence of illusion? Krishna says in Gita, Mayadhyakshena Prakriti Suyate Sacharacharam, that he is always the controller of Maya. This material energy is working under his direction. So how is it possible for him to be subordinate to one of his own energies? In essence, the Brahma Sutra describes parashya shaktira vivadaiva shruyate. This means that the Supreme Lord has multifarious energies. And this is the basic principle between the Mayavad philosophy and the Vaishnav philosophy. You see, the Vaishnavas accept that Krishna has multifarious energies. Om Purnam Adha Purnam Idam Purnat Purnam Udachyate Purnasya Purnam Adaya Purnam Eva Vishishyate That the Supreme Absolute Truth is perfect and complete and therefore all emanations, all of His divine energies are also perfect and complete. They are not illusion. They are real. 
but the impersonalists do not accept that the Lord has various energies. Because as soon as there is various energies, there is duality. They consider that the absolute truth, Brahman, is simply a oneness, an invisible, transcendental oneness, in which there can be no um, separate um, energies. But Krishna Nagita explains that Bhumir apo nalo vayu kamono evacha ahankara itiyame bhina pakitarashtata that this inferior separate energy of mine consists of earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. Apare amitashtvanyam brakritim virime param jiva bhutam mahajiva he says, but besides this inferior energy, there is a superior energy, which is the spirit soul, which gives life to matter. So in Gita, Krishna explains that there are various energies that are manifesting from him. In, in essence, there are three principal energies. The superior energy, which is Krishna himself, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Bhagavan. The marginal energy, which is the Jivatma, the soul, who is spiritual by constitution. And the ah, material energy, Maya Shakti, which is the um, illusory forms of this world. We do not accept that the forms in this world are an illusion, but they are illusory. What is the difference? This material energy is real, and this material energy is eternal. But the manifestations of this material energy are temporary. Even sciences, there is one theory that Really, in matter, there is never destruction. There is only a change. What is the name of that theory? Ah, say that? Conservation of energy and mass. In other words, when a particular form or object ceases to exist, it only appears to our eyes to cease to exist due to our imperfect sense perception. But actually that mass and energy is simply being transformed into another form. Correct? And although this is a great scientific discovery, the scientists really, their whole purpose initially was to increase people's faith in the glory of God. The greatest scientists, the founding fathers of Western science, they were all ministers. They were all very holy religious men. And their idea is, let us investigate the underlying truths of this world and the more we know about how this world is working in such a wonderful way, the more the glories of God will be revealed to us. 
But it's like if there is a great person, the more you, the more you know about that person, the more that person is glorified in your heart. Therefore, people are always very anxious to want to know more and more and more about great persons. Because the more you know, the more you naturally understand that person's greatness. So, in the Western scriptures, the divine Leela of Sri Krishna is not at all described. Basically, the Supreme Lord is defined as the Creator. You see, the Vaishnavas, they are not exclusively concerned with how Krishna creates because they understand that this is not really his principal work. Krishna, he expands himself as Karanodakshai Vishnu, Garabhodakshai Vishnu, Shirodakshai Vishnu, and then he empowers the, the most um, munificent living entity, Lord Brahma. And through these agencies, he creates this material cosmos. But personally, he has nothing to do with this, this material world. Personally, he is Rasaraj. He is simply the king of loving exchanges in the spiritual world of Goloka. So therefore, the devotees, they are more interested in hearing the beautiful pastimes of Sri Krishna in the spiritual world because they know that this is Krishna's real business, simply loving exchange. People go to Vrindavan, People go to Ayodhya, to Jagannath Puri Dham, to Dwarka Dham, these holy places, to hear about the glories of Krishna's personal Leela. Rarely do we hear in these holy places about Krishna's various techniques to create the material cosmos. But <coughs> you see, in the Western world, the religions, <coughs> according to time and circumstance, they are not revealing the confidential pastimes of the Lord. Rather, they are mainly describing uh, this material world and how to live somehow or other in this material world and how to prosper and flourish greater in this material world. Just like in the Old Testament, there is very little discussion about going back to Godhead. Most of the benedictions that God is giving to the original Jews is that may your people flourish and be prosperous and multiply on this earth. Because this is what most people are looking for, the things of this earth. Therefore, they approach God for the things of this earth. And if you are approaching God for the things of this earth, your faith will be to the extent you understand he is the supreme controller of this earth. Correct? And what is the greatest um, evidence that he is the supreme controller of this earth? That he is the creator of the earth. Therefore, the supreme lord is generally approached as the creator. He has created everything that exists, all the planets, all the living entities, all the multifarious forms of this world. And therefore, the Western religions basically consider that this is the main work of God creating. 
there was one religion, the fastest growing religion in America. It is an um, offshoot of Christianity. And in this religion, uh, they have millions and millions of followers at this time. And they have a very, very interesting idea of what takes place after salvation. You see, their idea is that God essentially is the creator. And therefore, when you attain salvation, you take your whole family with you. Because when you are married, your marriage is eternal. Can you imagine having an eternal marriage? Huh? My God, no Vaishnava would ever want to join this religion. Vaishnava is thinking in terms, a married man is thinking, when will I take sannyas and become free from this whole messy business? But they are thinking, once you are consecrated in marriage, it is for the rest of eternity. So I asked one of these people, well, what if you don't like your wife? It seems like it would be worse than hell to have to be married to her eternally. He said, no, no, why don't you like your wife? I said, I don't. It's not that I don't like my wife, but I'm just asking, what if most of, in this country, practically every marriage is a divorce? That means you don't like your wife. He said, well, you may not like her here, but after you die, then you will like her. Because you will have a pure body. A pure body, very nice. And what about children? Yes, yes, children, they will all go with you wherever you go. Of course, this philosophy doesn't make so much sense. I said, well, what, about, what if you had a child that died before you joined your church? Does that child get to go back to Godhead with you? Or go back to God, whatever? And he said, I don't know. These questions we don't deal with. So then he began to, I said, well, what do you do when you take your family? He said, you get your own planet, and there you get to be the creator of universes. Huh? Eternally, you and your family will just be creating universes. This is essentially what they teach. In other words, you become like God, a creator. Because they have no conception of anything beyond creation. Therefore, their conception of God is simply that he is the creator. And if you really want to serve him nicely, then you will assist him in creating. And this religion is becoming very, very popular because everyone wants to eternally live with their family and be a creator, be an enjoyer. Therefore, we can understand that this is really the, the greatness of God in the eyes of Western man, that he is the creator of the universe. So therefore, the original scientists of the Western world who were Christians and Jews, they decided that the greatest thing is this creation because it is the supreme work of God. So the more we can understand the creation, the more we can understand God. The more we 
can dive deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the subtleties of how this existence is working, the more the greatness of God will be revealed to us. So really the scientists were preachers. Every discovery would be a newer, enlivening um, presentation to glorify God and to convert people to, to deeper and deeper faith in Him. Huh? That is why we find that in India, science, this type of science has never been very much emphasized. Because in India, the people, they are basically transcendental scientists. They are more concerned with divine philosophy than simply trying to figure out how matter is operating. Because they understand a higher principle of God. That he is beyond this creation. And he really has very little to do with this creation. Therefore, the Vaishnavas, uh, they will enter into this arena of science only to convert the atheists. They have not, not much concern for these things. And even in the West, because man had become so very expert at in his own mind, he became very expert at analyzing how things were happening in this material existence. He became so proud, he became so puffed up, that he began to create his own theories which denied the existence of God altogether. So what began as a genuine um, effort to glorify Krishna ended up as the most formidable means of denying Krishna in the whole world. Every atheist will support his arguments on the basis of modern science to disprove the existence of God. Because, you see, they do not understand according to the higher authority beyond their sense perception, that the Lord has multifarious energies. And each of these divine energies is real. It is various aspects of the one supreme truth. Truth is one, but truth is infinitely variegated. Shankaracharya taught monism, which means God is one. Madhvacharya, he taught Shuddhadvaita, that God is more than one. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he explained that monism and dualism neither one independent of one another is the whole truth the absolute truth is achintya abeda beda tattva 
simultaneously one and variegated. Therefore, a devotee has no difficulty in understanding the glory of God in his unlimited, variegated um, opulence. Just like uh, in the Western world, uh, the religions emphasize that there is only one God. Because you see, the people at the time, they had no sadhus, they had no shastra, therefore they only had um, very, very distant uh, remnants of the original Vedic culture that permeated the world at one time. And they had just so many superstitious conceptions of many, many gods. They did not understand a supreme god, but they were thinking in terms of so many gods. If you want this, you worship this god. If you want this, you worship that god. Uh, but they did not understand what is the cause of all causes, what is the source of everything. So therefore, people were simply completely materialistic and sinful. So therefore, God appeared to Abraham and pronounced that, Worship no other God before me except me. I am the one supreme God. And the, Jew, the, the Jewish faith and then later on the Christian faith and the Islamic faith, their main emphasis is that there is only one God. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt worship no other God except me. There is only one God. And, of course, due to a very, very limited neophyte understanding of what this means, people have taken this as an excuse to become very, very sectarian and hateful to anyone who worships a form of God different than their own. There is only one God. If you call God by any other name than mine, if you give any other attributes to him other than what is in our scripture, therefore you are the greatest sinful demon because you are misleading the world. And that is this, it is this narrow-minded conception based on the idea of one God that is the cause of so much conflict, hate, and violence in this world in the name of religion. But the Vaishnavas they are most fortunate because the great Acharyas explain, yes, there is only one God, but what is the glory and the nature of that one God? Although he is one, he manifests himself in so many wonderful forms and so many wonderful um, pastimes. Krishna says in the Gita, Paritra Naya Sadhunam Vinashaya Chaduskritam Dharma Samstapanaradhaya Sambhavami Juge Juge. In order to annihilate the miscreants, to deliver the pious and reestablish the principles of religion, I appear in this world again and again and again. 
यदा यदा ही धर्मस्य क्लानिर भवती भारता अभ्युतनम धर्मस्य तत्त्वनाम सृजाम्याहम That in every millennium Krishna appears. Janamakaramachime divyam evam yoviti tatvatat yaktvadeham punarajanmanaiti mamteti swarujuna. One who understands the transcendental nature of Krishna and his appearance never has to take birth in this material world again. So, therefore, the devotees they worship Radha and Krishna. They also bow down before Lakshmi Narayan and Sita Ram and Lakshmi Narasimha Dev and Bhumi and Varaha Dev. They also bow down before uh, Kurma Rupa and Parasuram. And they also are willing to bow down before Allah and Jehovah, because they understand that the beautiful glory of Krishna is revealing Himself through all these wonderful forms for the upliftment of humanity. So God is one, but at the same time, His personality is infinite and therefore that infinite personality expresses itself to us in infinite ways it is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam that the incarnations of the Lord are like waves in the ocean they are countless but they are all coming from the one ocean So therefore, Krishna consciousness is a very, very great and deep science. It is not just a sentimental process based on faith. But the more we philosophically understand, in truth, the science of Krishna consciousness, the more our faith is fortified and unshakable. Srila Prabhupada used to be very insistent that we must read his books. In this modern society, there are so many onslaughts of impersonalism and atheism. And the whole atmosphere, even in the name of religion, is filled with this disease. Therefore, unless our faith is very, very strongly rooted in the philosophy of the authoritative scriptures and the previous acharyas, then we will easily be led astray from the path of pure devotional service. In 1972, I was in New York, and Srila Prabhupada was there. It was, I remember, on the 3rd of July. And Srila Prabhupada He was speaking to many hundreds of devotees who came from all over America to meet with him. He had just come from India and Europe after a long absence from the United States. 
And at that time, everyone was very enthusiastic to distribute Prabhupada's books. In fact, there was hardly a single person who was living in the temple that did not go out all day to distribute his books. If you were not willing to distribute books, you were not allowed to live in the temple. And believe me, distributing books in America is not an easy thing. It's a great austerity. A lot of insult, a lot of persecution, a lot of humiliation, and a lot of hard work. But in those days, this movement was full of very, very uh, um, serious devotees who were willing to sacrifice so much for their guru. There was no question of living a comfortable life in any Iskand temple in those days. Because you had to go out and do two things all day long, Harinam Sankirtan and book distribution. That was the Hare Krishna movement. You chant all day and you distribute books all day. And Srila Prabhupada was very much pushing this um, preaching movement. So he was giving class on this one morning from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And he was preaching very strongly. He was saying, you are going out and distributing my books. He said, that is very good. He said, but my question is, are you reading my books? He said, if you are not reading my books, how will you be convinced of the content of what is within them? And if you are not convinced of the content, how will you convince another? He said, if someone asks you, huh, you want me to buy this book? Well, can you tell me what is within this book? Do you read this book? And you will say, no, no, I do not read them, I only sell them. Will that person take you seriously? He said, you should know my books the way a lawyer knows the law books. Any question in life that ever comes before you, you should be able to refer exactly to a place in my books because everything is answered in my books. And then he explained, I write my books for my disciples. Primarily. I am spending the most precious hours of my life to write these books for my disciples. You must read them. Then he said, tapasya means to read my books at least two, three hours every day. This is the real meaning of tapasya. And the devotees were shocked. My God, Prabhupada wants us to read his books. We thought we were only supposed to sell them. Why does he want us to read the books? Because if you do not read the books, your faith will always be subjected to great disturbance. If you have a very, very strong philosophical foundation, and all questions and all doubts are, are continuously and regularly being destroyed by the profound philosophy of the Vaishnav literatures, then nothing can ever divert your attention away from the path of bhakti. I remember at Nubandha, 
All the devotees were always longing for Prabhupada to come. And Prabhupada would come at the most once every two years. And some of the leading devotees, they would get to see Prabhupada elsewhere. 99% of the devotees would never get to see Prabhupada until Prabhupada came to New Vrindavan. Which was once every two or three years. He came in 70, he came in 68. He came the next time four years later in 72. The next time was two years later in 74. And the next time was two years later in 76. It was very rare. But through his books and through his representative who was repeating his words, we were always associating with Prabhupada 24 hours a day. And there was no question of a lack of faith. There was no question of a disturbance in mind. Because we were hearing his words, we were convinced of the philosophy, we were reading his books, and we were engaging in his service. So therefore, we should know that it is very, very important to have a philosophical basis to our Krishna consciousness. Sentimentalism can keep us attached to Guru and Krishna for some time, but without a philosophical understanding, gradually we will find that we see so much confusion and conflict within our own spiritual life. Therefore, we have, a, have to have a very strong philosophical basis. Sentimental conceptions are very nice for a neophyte, but that sentiment has to be purified through philosophical awareness. When maya strikes, we become very weak. So let us understand that the philosophy of Krishna consciousness, the philosophy of Vaishnav thought, which is presented by the great Acharyas, should be very, very carefully understood. We should, each and every one of us, every day, read the Acharyas' books with the same attention and the same enthusiasm as we are now chanting our rounds. We are now chanting our rounds very nicely. We are rising at 4 and 3.30 in the morning. We are coming to the temple. There is no sound. There is no distraction. Actually, we should study these books in the same light because our process is based on the, on the principles of hearing and chanting. Yes, it is said 99% of our advancement is by chanting the holy name, but unless we are hearing nicely, unless we are philosophically convinced, we will not continue chanting properly. Our mind will easily be disturbed and diverted away from our chanting. So therefore, we must attentively hear and we must attentively chant the holy names. And if we follow this principle, then we will never be disturbed by the uh, arguments which are trying to deviate our intelligence away from the 